All righty. Well, hey, if you guys can find a piece of ground to sit down on, we are going to go ahead and get started. Uh, before we get started, we're going to do something. Um, I was told to announce this, but uh, some of you know this, but the floor is lava. One, two, three, four. All right, go ahead and grab a seat. We mostly wanted to see if anybody would climb a tree, and someone did, so you guys win. Anyways, um, my name is uh, Pastor Lou. Uh, in your book, it says James Wellen. No one's called me that since, like, first grade. But uh, everybody calls me Lou, so uh, I am so honored to be here with you guys. Currently, I am the youth pastor at the Murraysville Alliance Church, which is... Um, which is just outside of Pittsburgh. And then, like, in another week, I am going to be the lead pastor at the Greensburg Alliance Church, which is up there. So, um, so anyways, you guys aren't allowed to boo them. That's not nice. But anyways, um, uh, it's kind of it's crazy. So I'm kind of coming as one thing and leaving as another. But um, it, is, it is awesome, and I am uh, so happy to be here. Like I said, I'm just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, how many of you guys are Steeler fans? Any Steeler fans? Good. Okay. Any any Flyer fans? Good. Okay. We were gonna. We were. I was just seeing who we needed security to throw out of here. But we are going to. We are going to. Jedward, calm down, buddy. Um, we are going to. Uh, we're going to pray here in a moment, but one thing I like to do, especially when we, when I speak at conferences and, and camp stuff like this, where we have like several other seminars that are close, is that, and we only have one shot at this, everybody wants to, new, wants to know what the other seminars are doing. So I'm going to count to three. I want you guys to cheer as loud as you possibly can, and then what's going to happen, everybody in those seminars at stage two and three are going to say, what in the world were you cheering about? And you're going to say... Man, you should have been there. And uh, and then don't tell them anything else. That's it, right? And next time maybe they'll come to this one, okay? So on a count of three, go absolutely bananas, okay? One, two, three. Uh, all right, all right. We're good, we're good, okay. Now no one, no one speaks a word of this. All right, let's... Let's see. It's 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 always tough to be second, right? I think we can beat them. We'll try it one more time, and then and then I'll pray. Ready? One, two, three. That's what I thought. Okay. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for today. Lord, we thank you for Creation Music Festival. Lord, we thank you for these folks who are here. Lord, we thank you for your son. Lord, we thank you that we are forgiven. Lord, we thank you that although the weatherman is calling for rain right now, it's not raining. Lord, we thank you are in control of all things. And Lord, we would pray that you would hold off the weather. Lord, we pray that you would just give us a great time together looking into your word. 
looking at what it means to have faith with roots. Lord, we just thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Lord, you changed the world with a few men. Lord, what can you do with the folks who are in this arena? Lord, I pray that families, neighborhoods, communities, this country will never be the same because we had an encounter with you. Lord, I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I wanted to talk to you a little bit tonight, uh, this afternoon about what it looks like to have faith without roots. You see, I heard one time it said that Christianity in America is this. It's 10,000 miles wide, but it's one inch deep. And I think that that probably holds fairly true. And if you look around, how many times you see people and, and, and they seem like they're all gung-ho and then all of a sudden they just kind of fell, uh, fall off the face of the earth. I've been doing youth ministry for a really long time, about 20 years I've been doing youth ministry, and I, I've been cleaning things out and looking through old attendance charts, and I see this kid and that kid, and I remember their story and seeing what happened to them and where they went, and I wonder what, you know, I'm just left wondering why sometimes. How many times have you taken that mountaintop journey, like maybe last night, right? Last night was awesome. Tony did a fantastic job, and you were there, and you heard it, and you went up front, and you're high up on the mountain, but guess what? On Sunday, you're going home. Then what? Because the crazy thing I found out in ministry is this, is that you go to places like creation, and you go to places like camps, and you go to youth group events, and you have this radical moment with Jesus that changes everything and then you go home and while you know what happened no one who you are hang out with and are friends with that weren't there have no idea what happened to you and they expect the same person who left to come home and we face temptation and we face all these different things and what happens so often it lasts for a little while, and we're back. Why? Because we've never developed the roots. The other, I was going to say the other day, that's not true. A few months ago, we had a crazy storm at my house. I was at the church it was a wanna night, right? So I was at wanna picking up our daughter. My wife was there, and we were there, and we were talking. And I got a phone call from my son, who's here, right? Fifteen. He's a stud, but sorry, he's taking ladies. But anyways, um, but he is—he uh, calls me on the phone, and he was like, "You gotta come home. It's storming so bad." And where we were, which was only ten miles away, we're like, "Yeah, it's not that bad." And we get home, and it was this huge windstorm, and I pull into the driveway, and I see the, the shed that I keep all of my wood in for, for winter. I realized that it snapped all the posts and picked it up and blew it into the woods behind my house. And I thought, man, that is probably what the noise was. And then I walk around my house to investigate further, and there's an 80-foot pine tree that's just uprooted and was laying on the roof of my house. And I was like, wow, that would make some noise. 
But here's what the crazy thing is. If you looked at that pine tree and you came up to that pine tree, you would say, man, that is a healthy tree. It looked awesome. It was giant and big and it was just really cool. It was huge. But when the wind came, it just blew right over. Why? Because pine trees don't have deep roots. They have surface roots. They can last through some storms, but they can't make it through the big ones. On the other hand, I've been cutting down a lot of trees at my house. Um, you know, I always do that on Earth Day. I try to give Earth a haircut. Um, so I was cutting, cutting down some trees, and... Uh, and Dave, who is here with me, he's one of my, uh, one of the guys at my church, and he was he was at, he brought over his machine, and he was digging things out, and we had this one stump that we just kept digging, and wouldn't come out, and wouldn't come out, and wouldn't come out, and wouldn't come out, wouldn't come out, and the problem was this: is it had this root that was right in the center of the stump, and it went straight into the ground, and it wasn't a big tree. But we couldn't, you had a big machine trying to pull it out, and eventually it broke free. Eventually it came out, but it put up a really big fight for a really long time because it was rooted deep. And my prayer for you guys is simply this, is that you will become rooted deep in Christ. There's a scripture about that and found in Matthew, and it's... <laughs> Verse chapter 13, starting at verse 1, it says this, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and a great crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seed, fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seed fell on rocky ground and where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. Since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no roots, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. As I read that scripture, and, and obviously we know we've probably heard many sermons or, or, or lessons or messages on this and talk about what type of soil you are, but I thought about me for 20 years doing youth ministry, what in the world, do, what role do I play in this? What role do you play in this? And I realized something, I'm like a seed peddler. I try to get teens to come to me so I can get my handful of seed. But where you put that seed is not my responsibility. That's your responsibility. We do crazy things. How many of you, how many folks here are, are youth pastors, youth leaders? Raise your hand. Right? Thank them. Thank them right now. Because I will tell you, they give up their time. They give up so much. They get calls in the middle of the night. They do all kinds of crazy things for one simple reason. They want to hand you a handful of seed. And the problem is this, is what do you do with it? Parents, if you're a parent that's here, listen, please. I get your child once a week. That's it. On a good week, twice. You're with them every day. It is so important, mom and dad, to start cultivating the soil. Get out the rototiller. Start grinding through, ripping up roots that don't belong there, ripping up the things that are going to choke out the good seed. 
killing the bad seed and getting it ready. And when they plant that seed, you help them water it all the time. See what happens when we grow deep, we begin to grow wide. I want you to think about this. Everybody, especially in your generation, wants to have a big stage. Everybody wants to do something amazing for the kingdom. How many times have I been told, how many times have you thought that, I wish I could just do something huge for the kingdom. I want to do something giant for the kingdom. But listen to me. It doesn't work vice versa, but when you grow deep, you grow wide. But just because you grow wide doesn't mean you'll grow deep. Think about that. When you grow deep, then all of a sudden things change because the deeper you grow, the more you realize that who you are in Christ, the more you realize that who I am, you realize that it's not about you at all. You realize that you are simply a mirror reflecting the glory of God to those around us. It changes everything. It changes everything. And we dig in deep, and we keep going deep, and we get deeper and deeper. And when deeper we get, all of a sudden we start seeing people the way Jesus sees them. And when we see people the way that Jesus sees them, it changes everything. All of a sudden it doesn't matter what they can do for us. The only thing that matters is that they were created by God. And he loves them. It changes everything. We get to have a heart for the hurting. How many times do we really have our heart break for those who hurt around us? Think about it. Let's be honest. For most Christians, especially here in the United States of America, is this. We get saved, and then we, we get in line. I always picture this. In Pittsburgh, we have an amusement park called Kennywood, right? And you want to ride on a roller coaster, they have, they have all these lines that you stand in, right? And it kind of serpentines through. I think that's what happens when most of us get saved. We get saved, and then we stand in line. Just stand there, and we wait for our number to be called. B47. Come on in, right? We don't do anything. We get saved, and we just stand there and wait to die so we can get into heaven. Because it's not about changing things around us. It's simply about this. It's fire insurance. It's about it's going to heaven. It's better than going to hell. And so we'll just stand in line, and we'll just wait. But the thing is this, is the Bible tells me and tells you the same thing, that there's another gate, and that's the gate to hell. Statistically, 80% of Christians stand outside the gates of heaven and stand there patiently in line waiting for their number to be called when where we should be standing is arm to arm in front of the gates of hell and say, listen, you can get in there, but you got to climb over me to get in. you got to climb over me to get in. I've said this a bunch of times. How many of you have ever played Red Rover? That's what it should be, right? Arm to arm. They want to come to hell, they got to run through us. But we don't. 10% of us stand outside the gates of hell. Well, 90% of us wait in line going, well, man, isn't Christianity fantastic? 
When are we going to make a difference? I will tell you, when we go deep, we will do that. We'll have a desire to do the things that honor God. The deeper you go, the more you realize what you need to change. See, it's not my job to change you. It's God's job to change you. And when we get saved, he shows us some things we need to change. And as we go deeper, he shows us more things, and then he shows us more things, and then he shows us more things, and then he shows us more things. If he gave us everything at once, we wouldn't be able to handle it. See, the problem with the opposite not being true is this. If you wait to do only big things for God, you'll never do nothing. Anytime I've ever figured anything out, anytime I've ended up doing something really big for the kingdom, it always started off by doing something small for the kingdom. If I sat out and said, hey, listen, um, I want to speak and tell people about Jesus, but the only place I'm going to speak is Creation Music Festival. Guess what? I promise you I'm never speaking at Creation Music Festival, Right? But I don't care where I am. I don't care if I'm at creation or at the grocery store. If I get an opportunity to tell you about Jesus, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Do you know why? Because he changes everything. And so I'm going to ask you guys this. What is it that you're waiting for? What is it that you're waiting for to make, an, make a difference, to make an impact See, if you just have these surface roots and you think, well, someday, man, I'm going to make this huge difference, you're not going to. But start right now. Is there somebody that you can be Jesus to? Everybody wants to make a big impact. The crazy thing is this is the bigger the stage, the bigger the storm. Listen to me. Everybody wants a big stage, but listen, I promise you the bigger the stage, the bigger the storm. Satan hates when you proclaim the name of Jesus. And he will bring storms into your life to try to blow you over. And so don't wish for a giant stage. You just keep getting rooted deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I promise you, the deeper you go, the bigger the stage will get. And the bigger the stage will get. And the bigger the stage will get. And the storms will come. And you'll be like, bring it. Bring it. Because one thing I can tell you, if you're like, well, I don't, I don't agree with you, Pastor Lou. I've never really felt a storm. Well, guess what? You're really not doing anything for the kingdom. Sorry to break it to you. That's the truth of the matter. If you're doing stuff for the kingdom, Satan's coming after you. That's how it works. That's how it works. I will tell you, to, I don't know why. I wish I had an answer, but I find it so true. For those that God used greatly, he hurts deeply. I'm not sure why. I know that I thought I had life all figured out a couple years ago, and it got completely flipped upside down. And I trusted, and I just kept following through. And I look at the journey I'm on now, and I'm like, wow, God, you are so 
good. You're so good. So how do we grow these deep roots? Well, this isn't really crazy shocking. I'm going to do a quick time check because I don't have a... How do we grow these deep roots? Stop doing and start being. Stop doing and stop, start being. John 15, 7 says this, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He doesn't say, hey, listen, if you do this for me and you do this for me and you do this and you stop this and start this, then, then, I'll, then I will abide in you. He says, listen, just stop doing stuff. Just abide in me. You don't have to do anything. It's already been done for you. How crazy is that? It's been done for you. insanity how many times have you been there I've been there a bunch of my life where you try to bargain with God you're like hey God if you do this for me then I'm promise I'm never going to do this again and I'm not going to do this and I won't do this and I will start doing this and I'll do this twice and I won't do this ever I'll do this three times and I'll read my Bible twice on Mondays three times on Tuesdays probably I'm going to skip Wednesday because I got youth group anyways and like Thursday, I'll read a half of it. You know, you just kind of figure this whole formula out, and you think. And the problem is this, is there's a word that's in every sentence, I. I'm going to do this, and I will 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 do this. And the problem lies in this, you can't do any of it. And neither can I, but God inside me can do all things. Right? We love that verse, Right? God can do all things, right? Strengthens me. We, we put it on T-shirts. We wear it on bracelets. But we think that's just like an extra boost of power. Like if I want to play football and I put that on my cleats, then I'm going to score a touchdown. That's not what he's saying. He's saying you can do all things through me. Like that person who's down and out, like I'll give you the strength and the courage and the words to go talk to him. Because he's way more worried about that than you scoring a touchdown. So what are you going to do with it? When are you going to start to abide? But here's the biggest thing. When we want to grow roots, it's this. We need to fall back in love with Jesus. I'm going to be real honest with you guys. One thing about me is simply this. You get what you get. I'm not going to tell you a bunch of things that make you happy. I'm just who I am. And I believe Christians, at least here in the United States, we really like Jesus. We like him a whole lot. We like him. But do we love him? Do we love him? Revelations chapter 2 the church of Ephesus, to the angels of the church of Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks amongst the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toils, your patience, your endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. You do good stuff. 
He'll put up with people who, who claim the name of Jesus but don't follow through. You're doing good stuff. You're doing this and you work and you do all these things. But I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for the name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the work you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have hated the work of Nicodemus, which I also hate. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to you. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. See, here was their problem. They liked Jesus, but they didn't love him. And I believe that same scripture could be written to many of us. We like him. We like him enough to buy a t-shirt. We like him enough to slap a bumper sticker on our car. We like him enough to go to creation. We like him enough to stand on tent on tarps. We love him, like him enough to take groups to creation. We like him enough to put our hands up during worship. But do we love him? See, here's the crazy thing. There's a big difference between liking something and loving something. I like cheeseburgers, right? I like them. I like them a lot, right? I'm not going to lie to you. But I will tell you, I will never die for a cheeseburger. I may die from a cheeseburger someday, but I won't die for a cheeseburger, right? Like, I, I like me some cheeseburgers. But here's the difference. I love my family. And I promise you, right, if you would come right now to attack them, I would happily lay down my life for them. I would die for them. Say, you know, I would stand between. You're like, well, you're a pastor. You can't do that. Yeah, I'd try to take you out first, you know, start a prison ministry. I'm all right with that. They need Jesus there too. But... I would, I would lay down my life for them. Why? Because I love them. It's a difference. So what does it look like when your faith costs you something? Are you still gung-ho about Jesus when it costs you something? And if you're not, then you just like him. You don't love him. It'll cost you something. When you love somebody, you long to be with them. When you're not with them, you miss them. I heard someone say this, if you miss Sunday, but you don't miss it, then something's wrong. Think about that. You need to long to be with Jesus. And if you don't long to be with him, if you don't, when you don't miss your devotions, when you miss your time in his word, when you miss spending time in fellowship, when you miss those things, if it's just not a big deal, then maybe you just like Jesus and you don't love him. And when the storms come, you'll get blown over. When we love somebody, we want to know more about them. And how do you know more about them? You spend time with them. See, one of the things we do so often is we look at the Bible and we try to say that it's a rule book. I don't know about you, but there's never been a rule book that I wanted to read. Some of you are going to be going off to college. Some of you are in college. When you go to college, they hand you a student handbook, right? And they tell you to read it and sign off on it. Right, I guarantee what most of you do, like a couple of you are overachievers, you'll probably read it. 
99% of you will take it, you'll throw it in your drawer, you'll sign the bottom paper and never look at it again. Why? Because it's a rule book. But what happens if you look at it as a love letter? That changes things. See, I know you probably don't write a whole lot of love letters now. You don't use snail mail. <laughs> Send text messages or whatever. Emails. Snapchats. Chapsticks, whatever you use, I don't know. But for me, in my wallet, inside there is a letter that was written in 1997 from my girlfriend, which is now my wife. Keep it with me all the time. You know why? Because it means something. It means something. I keep it with me. I have it there. And when you look at a love letter and you get that love letter, you pour over every word and you read it again and again and again and again and again. Unlike the rule book that you just throw in the drawer. And so, folks, I want to encourage you this. When you take out your Bible, look at it as a love letter written to you from the creator of all the universe. And I promise you, if you start reading it like that, it will change things. And you need to do that often. Because if you want deep roots, once a week won't cut it. If you eat once a week, you'll die. If you want to know how you're doing, you can simply do this. Go home, buy a plant, put it in your room. Every time you read your Bible, water it. Every time you don't, don't water it. If that plant dies, guess what? You're dying spiritually as well. Simple. But I'm telling you guys, if you want deep roots, if you want deep roots, you got to spend time. The other thing is this, and it took me a long time to figure this out as a pastor. Your deep roots are not my responsibility. They're not. I'm responsible for a lot of things, don't get me wrong. And other pastor friends of mine are here. We've sat around and talked about the craziness and the fear of one day we will stand before the creator of all the universe and answer for our ministries. We have a lot of responsibilities, but... Where you plant your seed is not one of them. That is your responsibility. How deep your roots go. And so you might be mad right now and say, well, this happens or that happens or this or that. But my question for you is this, is I heard a guy, I don't remember what pastor it was, said this one time. He said, we're already far educated past our obedience. So you can make up a whole lot of excuses and you can blame me or whatever pastors here or your pastor at home or your youth pastor, youth leaders and say, man, they're just not deep enough. But here's my question for you. What is it that you're doing wrong right now that you don't already know that you're doing wrong? It's not about me making you deeper. It's not about 
me putting roots in for you. Because here's what the crazy thing is about the father. He only has children. He doesn't have grandchildren. So your parents can be the greatest Christian in the world. You can be a great Christian. Your parents aren't a great Christian. Like, you don't get into heaven because of what other people do. It's about your roots and digging them down. See, your faith has to be your own. So I will tell you, If you want to grow deep, then you're going to have to spend some time with Jesus. And it's not about doing more. It's just about spending time. Sitting at the feet of the cross. How crazy is that? The same God who spoke this earth into existence, knows your name and wants to spend time with you. But yet somehow, other things seem more important. What's more important than that? What's more important than that? See, we've had a saying in our youth ministry for a long time, and simply this. Today our neighborhood, tomorrow the world. You can't reach another country if you aren't willing to reach your neighbor. We simply got to find someone and reach out to them. What does it tell us? It says, you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, I think, is the hardest place to reach. I'm going to be honest with you. Jerusalem is your family. Jerusalem is the people who are the closest to you. And the reason why it's the hardest place to reach is simply this, is because when they reject you, it hurts the most. Then you got Judea, right? It's out a little bit further. Those are acquaintances. Those are people you kind of know, maybe people you go to school with, people you work with, people you know on a first-name basis, but you don't ever invite them over for a barbecue. Still a little harder to reach. Because, you know, they know you. And they, it still hurts when they reject you. And then you got Samaria, right? Samaria is the rejects, the outcasts, the people that nobody wants to be with. And they are hard to reach only for this simple reason. Because of what Jerusalem thinks about you while you're reaching them. And I will tell you, it's super weird. I had a girl that was in my youth ministry, maybe... 12 years ago, and, and we had this very similar talk, and, and she decided she was going to reach out to her, this kid who sat by himself at lunch every day. And so she sat down at lunch with him. All, he was all by himself, and she sat down at the lunch table with him. And you know what he did? Nothing. He just stared at her. For 40 minutes, he was like, Right, So she sits down the next day, and guess what he did the next day? Nothing. He stared at her, right? So she did it the next day. Guess what he did then? Finally, he, no, he just stared at her. 
for an entire semester, she sat with him, and he would never speak to her. He never said a word. I remember she would come into my office, and she'd be like, she's like, Pastor Lou, it's so weird. He just stares at me. And the last day of school, he came up, and he gave her a hug, and he said, thank you for sitting with me. You'll never know what it means, and walked away, and that's the only time they ever talked. Shortly after that, which is not the same kid, I was speaking at an event. And after I got done, a kid came up, and I still remember his name. It's written down in the front of my Bible. His name was Kevin. And Kevin kind of stood in the back, and there was a line of people that wanted to talk, and I was talking to them. And Kevin came up to me and said this. Kevin said, uh, Pastor Lou, I'm like, yep. He said, you're the first person I've talked to in a month and a half. I said, okay. It's kind of weird. And he said, I, I came up with this game plan that I was not going to talk to anybody until they talked to me first. So no one's talked to me for a month and a half, so therefore I have not talked to anybody for a month and a half. I said, how about your parents? He said, I haven't talked to another person in a month and a half. And I said, well, I'm glad you came to talk to me. What did you come to talk to me about? And he said, Pastor Lou, I just want to let you know I'm going to go home and kill myself tonight. And I was like, hold, hold up, Kevin. Kevin and I sat down. I had someone go find Kevin's youth pastor. We made some phone calls. We got Kevin some help. So Kevin did not do that that night. But the truth of the matter is this. is He was at this event with a big youth group. That he went to school with every day. And nobody talked to him. And that broke my heart. Why? Because when it's all about us, when it's all about just being comfortable, when it's all about just not reaching Samaria because we're worried about what other people think, it changes stuff. And so my prayer for you guys is simply this, is that your roots would grow deep. And your roots will grow deep by stop doing and start being. You are a child of the king. Think about that. Someone says something to you and they're like, who do you think you are? Ever had someone say that to you? Who do you think you are? You're like, you know who my dad is? You're a child of the king. The scripture that shakes me to my core is this, when it says that same power that rose Jesus from the grave resides in you. How, how insane is that? The same power that rose Jesus from the grave resides in you, but yet we are so happy not doing anything. I met a guy one time that worked for Apple Computers, and he said, that Steve Jobs would come into their meetings and he would always say the same thing. Today, fellows, we're going to try to dent the universe. And if we don't, what are we doing here? Well, he was trying to do that through technology. But the truth of the matter is this, is we can dent the universe. And so my prayer is simple, is that your roots will grow deep, that you will leave here not just on a mountaintop, 
that you will leave here, that you will go home and your friends will come to you and they will want to see something different and they won't know that there's going to be something different, but all of a sudden they will encounter something different. That the same power that rose Jesus from the grave will all of a sudden give you courage to speak truth into their life. That, that all of a sudden, the fear of what people will think will be gone. And that you'll dig deep and you'll fall in love with Jesus. That you'll fall so deeply in love with Jesus that when you miss church, you'll miss church. That when you miss your devotions, you'll miss your devotions. When you miss worship, you'll miss worship. See, when we do that, when we go deep, God's going to give us a stage to go wide. I don't know what that looks like, but I knew to do this. There are circles of people that you can reach that I will never reach. And there are circles of people that I can reach that you'll never reach. And when we decide we're going to go deep, we'll start to reach those circles. And when we start to reach those circles, they'll start to overlap. And all of a sudden, something will happen. We'll begin to dent the universe. Ladies and gentlemen, this is already happening in the country and in the world all around us. I heard it said one time. And I think this is the truth. I've thought this myself. That whenever we take our final breath and, and we're in heaven, like, won't it be cool to talk to like Peter and be like, what was Pentecost like? What was it like when 3,000 people accepted Christ at one time? And I heard a pastor say this once, and I, I would give him credit, but I'll be honest, I don't remember what pastor it was. He said, I think that the disciples are going to ask us the question, what was it like when you were there? What was it like when you were there? I don't know if you know this or not, but if you look up the statistics right now, there are 3,000, more than 3,000 people every hour in this world accepting Christ. Every hour of every day of every week, we experience a Pentecost. And the disciples are going to say, what was it like? What was it like when you were there? What was it like when we saw a revival? What was it like? And let's be honest, most of us are going to say, I don't know. We had some sweet pizza parties. I missed it. I don't want to miss it. My leaders, they prayed with me before I left. They prayed the same thing that I pray every day. It's simply this. Lord, make my story matter. It's all I pray every day. I don't know what it looks like. I just say, pray the same thing. Lord, make my story matter. Sometimes it's pushing a car off the side of the road that ran out of gas. Sometimes it's speaking to a bunch of people on a stage in the middle of the woods. But when they say, what was it like? I want to tell them, it was crazy. You don't even know what we got to do. We got to do. Guys, I told you I would shoot straight with you, and I'm going to end with this. But I promise you, if you dig those roots in deep, you are about to go on the greatest adventure of your life. You will be at places that you never thought you would be. You will stand and talk to people you never thought you would talk to. 
the church I'm at has a motorcycle ministry. I've got to ride motorcycles and be part of it all around the country. And you know it's crazy when you're watching Gangline on TV and you look at your wife and be like, I handed that guy a Bible. True story. I've been in clubhouses of some of the most bad biker gangs in North America. Never in a million years did I think that would happen. But why? Because I don't know what it looks like. I just know this. I'm going to dig the roots in deep, and I'm going on the adventure. And I hope you do too. And so tonight, tomorrow morning when you pray, I want you to pray this simple prayer. Lord, make my story matter. And then when he gives you an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus, do it. Don't wait for a big stage. Do it. And when you see another opportunity to be hands and feet of Jesus, do it. We just went on, I just took my youth group on the craziest missions trip we ever went on. You say, did you go to Africa? No. Guess where we did it? In our town. I promise you it was the hardest mission trip you've ever been on. Because it is so easy to stand out and do crazy things for Jesus when no one knows your name. It is so hard when the kids you go to school with live next door. So when you get an opportunity, when you get an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus, do it. Stop. Do it. Just be. Just look for those opportunities and do whatever it is and keep falling in love with Jesus and keep looking at the Bible as a love letter, not a rule book, and just keep chasing after him and, and just keep holding on to him and just keep just wanting to be in his presence. And I promise you, it will be the greatest journey of your life. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for these men and ladies. Lord, we thank you for this group that are here. And Lord, as we prayed earlier, Lord, they might not have understood the prayer at the beginning, but I hope they understand it now. Lord, I pray right now Lord, I pray that families will be healed. Lord, I pray that communities will be healed. Lord, I pray that our, our country will be healed. Lord, I pray that this gospel will go to nations. Lord, I pray this gospel will go into schools. Lord, I pray that revival will take place in our land. Lord, I pray revival will take place in our churches. Lord, I pray that revival will take place. Lord, I pray that your name will be known. Lord, I pray that this group of people in, the wood, in these woods on this day will make you famous amongst the people we rub shoulders with. Lord, we thank you for what you've called us to. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have our roots grow deep. Lord, that, they, that your word would find our soil fertile. That it would spring up and it would grow. And when the storms come, Lord, we would stand strong. Lord, I pray that we dent the universe for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that we make a difference. Lord, I pray that we change this world through you. And when everything's said and done, and all the glory can be just pointed straight back, Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys.